What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. The March Madness preview presented by Cool Bet continues. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, the madness from in front of the camera. Sportsnet's Brad Fay joins me to discuss the early days of broadcasting the tournament and how jumping around from game to game has its roots in Canada. His long history of loving the tournament and where he wants to be when the ball tips on Friday. Then it's Tuesday, so Ted Ballantyne pops by for some bracket talk and his unique take on the tournament. Plus, how about some let's do that hockey after sweeping the board yesterday? It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. My first guest today is, for my money, the most underrated broadcaster in Canada. I may be a little bit biased here, but Brad (laughs) Fay is the jack-of-all-trades at Sportsnet. He's the lead host on Sportsnet's NBA Raptors coverage. He does tennis. He's filling into in hockey every once in a while, baseball, of course, the Olympics. But the reason he's here today is because he spent a handful of years as the host of Sportsnet's NCAA tournament coverage at a time when Canada was still slowly discovering the magic of March Madness. Brad Fay, welcome to the window, man. Hey, I appreciate it. You're obviously watching to know that I do all those things, so that's good to know. <laughs> Somebody is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> did spend 11 years at Sportsnet, and yes. uh, yeah, so yeah. so I was sort of obligated was still doing to them then. for a while. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It's great to have you. Um, on a personal note, uh, I worked with Dare I Say Four, uh, a lot of anchors in my time at Sportsnet, and people ask me, you know, what's this person like or whatever, and that's kind of the untold thing for someone in your position where it's like. You know, you know, famous maybe isn't the right word, but like there's sort of like a curiosity about like whether this person knows what they're talking about or how what's this person like. And yeah. Brad, Brad is a dude in a world where a lot of people take themselves really seriously. No one's more chill than this guy right here. In fact, you probably you're not going to remember this, but when I first started as a broadcast associate, we'd be in charge of updates during the day right these like Mm -hmm. two three minute type things and you know we're sort of expected to put kind of the boring newsy things like you know and it was questionable with a wrist injury like let's do a vo about them and i'd be like no that's super boring and i would just throw in like a buzzer beater or a court storm from college basketball the night before and some anchors would be like what was that in there and i'd be like because because it was awesome and whenever I'd throw something like that in with you, you'd come off the set and you'd be like, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so always enjoyed working with you back in the day. Good. Appreciate uh, it. In, prob- in probably related news, uh, BAs are no longer producing those updates. No. Um, <laughs> but let's go back to before that. So here's how I remember it, right? Sportsnet starts and really soon after they get the rights to the tournament. And I don't remember a Canadian network showing the tournament at that point. Uh, And if they did, it was probably a straight plug and play from CBS. So on your end, you know, you're right in the mix with the starting of Sportsnet. How do you remember this going down? Well, it's funny because, uh, as you said, the plug and play, I just assumed that's what it was going to be. And I remember thinking, well, what's the, you know, I was sort of a, um, you know, a newbie in sports TV is in general. And I didn't really understand what's the point. People are just going to watch it on CBS. And that first year I didn't do it was uh, Rod black and leo routens did it and then i took over i took over the next year 
Um, and when we really kind of perfected it as well, because the, the idea was what changed it as uh, people, I still get people come up and say, oh, you guys, when you guys had it, it was the best. And it wasn't so much that they, I appreciate they like Jack and I, we had some fun, but it was because we got to all the games and that was a difference where um, I didn't realize they were going to do it that way till I watched and they had control of every game. They didn't have to stay with the regional package and people right. soon realized, boy, even if you love Greg Gumbel and company, it's like you're better off as a fan watching us because we're going to get you to every game. And I think the key was the regional attachment. Like, for example, if Syracuse was playing and they're up 35 in their first round game, you got to stay right. with it until the end on the Buffalo affiliates. And so right. we were bouncing all over the place. So that immediately became uh, something that you realized was a benefit to the viewer. Yeah, it's funny because people don't realize, you know, a fair amount of listenership uh, south of the border and they don't realize that. Yeah, I mean, we might be a little late to the party, but for the hardcore people, that was kind of a godsend because, mm-hmm. yeah, like you'd be watching a game and being like and, you know, they would at that point, we didn't even have the you know score bug in the corner telling us what the score was yeah. in these other games. We would have to get Gumble coming in for updates. And it's like, yeah, Syracuse is up by 25. Like, that's great. But like, instead of updates of this like incredible game that's happening elsewhere, uh, how about we just show that game? But you know, people don't realize the contractual obligations that Sportsnet didn't necessarily have. So, you know, when that comes up, you said you don't really know like what to sort of expect. Were you volunteering to do the coverage because you know you're a basketball guy or how did that go? Yeah, definitely. I think that initially, if you look back, when you talk about uh, me off the top being the jack of all trades, the original guy for Sportsnet was Rod in that matter. And that's partly because he was the veteran uh, a lot because Scott Moore and the bosses that be loved them. They put him on everything. I remember him doing a um, it's like that hot sauce. You know, it's a good way to describe he I remember him doing uh, just to get off top about him doing a baseball game on a Wednesday night in Seattle and flying back to do the Canadian open on Thursday. I mean, this is just, they didn't trust anybody else. So he did it the one <laughs> year. And then I just kind of mentioned uh, at one point said, you know, I'm really into it. And uh, I, I, if there was an opportunity to do that, I'd be happy to have taken off Rod's hands. And so the next year they, they did, they turned it over and, uh, and it was, boy, it was a, I know a rude awakening with the the prep with so many teams you don't need to know everything, but you need to know enough about everybody because you don't know who's going to be going on a run or who's going to play the kind of game that you're going to want to show. And you may not have known yeah. anything about, you know, the, the Salukis of, I think it's uh something state. I, Southern Illinois. I just remember Jack, Southern Illinois, yeah, yeah. Southern Illinois. There you go. I was going to say Illinois state, Southern Illinois. Cause I remember Jack singing, hang on Salukis, Salukis, hang on. But it was, <laughs> Um, it was fun and it was wild. Those first four days, 12 hours locked in a room like that. Wow. It was, uh, it was amazing, but it was a rush. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, you're, you're bouncing back and forth and, and, you know, March madness is a term that, and you know, it wasn't really around in the eighties, right? It was really in the nineties where that came about because, you know, we had people like you and then eventually CBS sort of caught up with the bouncing back around type concept. Mm-hmm. And that's where the March Madness thing came. And then, like, I think the NCAA started trademarking it really sort of in the late, you know, 2000s, yeah. you know, around 2010, along those lines, right? Yeah. But, like, the, it was sort of this organic thing because of how crazy it must have been, um, especially from a, like, broadcasting standpoint. Um, so right now, you're deep into the NBA coverage as, you know, but as a basketball lover, you had to be bummed out about the tournament's cancellation last year. Obviously, the NBA was right alongside with that. What was your experience of the shutdown that week? 
And how did that hit you? Well, it was weird because of the timing. And, and I'm lucky in a lot of ways because I was down visiting my my parents go to California, Palm Springs for the winter on normal occasions. Okay. And my uh, my buddy, my best friend from college, has a place in Arizona. So the four of us is a group of us that have remained friends since those days in the 80s. And uh, we get together once a year there. So I went to my parents, went over to see them. And I flew home on the Monday. And the shutdown basically happened, you know, on the on the Wednesday, the 11th. So it was like Monday the mm. 9th of March. I came home and I was on that night on a, a radio on the fan as a, as a guest. And they were talking about, you know, they just announced then that the tournament was going to be played without fans. And that was our biggest, worry, right. you know, and that had just happened <laughs> yeah. an hour, you know, an hour or so before. So I said, well, it's going to be weird, but it's probably what they need to do. And, it, you know, and then we said the NBA will probably follow suit and we were prepared for it. And then literally within 36 hours, everything was completely shut down. And again, we thought for a couple of weeks, remember? So that was, right, um, yeah. I, it's my favorite time of year in, in again, a traditional calendar, everything shifted now, but I love yeah. that. I love that. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but spring training, you know, signals that the change in the weather, which everybody wants, but you're heading for the playoffs yeah. in the NBA and the NHL. And most importantly for me, the NCAA tournament, and the masters, two of my favorite events, that you just get that Absolutely. buzz for those things. So that was a real, you know, there was a letdown in that sense, but obviously there were bigger things going on that we had no idea what we were about to go through. Absolutely. So with everything, you know, all of that being said, it's been a weird college basketball season this, you know, this time around. And, you know, it's, there could be some weirder stuff happening coming going forward here. So are you more or less or just about, you know, regular excited? for this tournament like is the two the two-year break here amped it up for you or are you just still kind of cautiously optimistic uh, about what might happen here in the next couple of weeks yeah i'm kind of well i think it sort of bridges the gap in a way that i you know we all want a little bit of normalcy and i notice it even just watching the players championship the golf on the weekend with a little bit of crowd there it just felt yeah. good and uh felt good to watch guys competing and having more of a normal surrounding now there won't be at the NCAA tournament in terms of any kind of significant crowds other than family, I imagine. But the fact that if the tournament can go ahead where you've got the 16 games on day one and 16 games on day two of the formal tourney, then that's going to feel sure. normal where you're going back and forth and boom, 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 because single games at a time, it's hard to get excited about. So I'll admit that I haven't watched as much this year and I'm maybe not as sure. excited as normal. Like I think next year will be you know, the year when everything returns, hopefully, and then the excitement will be off the charts. But I'm ready for something like this yeah. because there's just nothing like it. Absolutely. And that's and that's what's going to be crazy about sort of next, you know, it, sports calendar year, if you will, if you sort mm -hmm. of, you know, I sort of consider September to be the start of the sports calendar, where like these teams are just going to be in shell shock with, you know, full stadiums. Like I know Alabama has already said, like, we are playing football in full stadiums. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess. But even like you mentioned the golf, right, where it's like, you know, a quarter of the, uh, you know, the fans are out there and you can hear individual guys like heckling Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, man, like I kind of got used to not having fans. And I imagine a lot of the players did as well. So uh, fundamentally, this is a betting show, a sports betting show, sports in the form of sports betting. Uh, one more recollection for you, sort of third hand. Uh, we have a mutual colleague, sort of a Sportsnet, uh, you know, fan favorite, if you will, Johnny Saps on the yes. row. And uh, I remember you winning his pool. I think it was an NFL survivor pool. And you came mm -hmm. by the row 
to collect your winnings. And then you just ripped him off a couple hundreds for his trouble. And I was like, not one other person would have done that. And so, you know, you're a proven winner and participant in pools, but do you bet on sports at all, uh, either now or ever? I mean, I assume probably not the sports that you're covering, I suppose. Um, but, you know, is that something that you've done in the past or, you know, you do right now? A little bit. So I continue uh, to, to uh, finish that story with the, the football pool. That was the first time I'd ever been in a suicide pool. And, oh, wow. Uh, and I ran the table and we somebody else was right with me. And we we tied at the end of the season. So we said, we'll we'll take a little bit each and we'll play the first week of the playoffs for the rest of the money. And I won his team lost. And that was it. And ever since then, the next year, I got down about the final four and I've never been anywhere near. So I'm usually out in the first two weeks now. So I realized (laughs) that was my uh, luck of the first time. I do like to bet. The only sport I bet on is football and only in the playoffs. I like to settle in and have something on the line because I don't really have an NFL team per se. So okay. I enjoy that. And I grew up in a household where my dad was was always uh, betting on the NFL every Sunday. And I sort of played along and he'd, he'd get me to you know pick. I wouldn't put any money on it, but he'd pick with the point spreads. And I would get an idea of how difficult it is because you always think it's going to be easier than it is. So I had <laughs> a great year last year, horrible year this year. And uh, but again, this was everything was very odd this year. So. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to tell us. Right. <laughs> we, we, we know, um, you know. To sort of the tournament coming up here i do have, i am sort of curious what's your take on the sort of slow rollout of betting coverage into mainstream media like we're obviously for it here um, yeah. but i'm concerned personally about it being done correctly because it's such a departure from traditional sports coverage and we have you know producers and executives that do a really good job as far as storytelling and all of that kind of angle when it comes to sports but you know, they can get caught up in not knowing what they don't know when it comes to sports betting. And that's through no fault of their own. Is this something that you've wondered about for Raptors broadcasts, for example? I know, you know, the Wizards have done, you know, betting themed broadcasts or alternative broadcasts. So, you know, what's your general take on kind of where we're headed when it comes to media coverage with regards to sports betting? I think it's inevitable. And I think it's, you know, been coming for a long time. And I think it's anyone who who doesn't believe that a big driving factor in sports is the gambling notion is, you know, needs to, needs to get the head out of the sand, so to speak, because there are point spreads or, you know, they're not mentioned just because it's like, Oh, they've got a better chance to win than the other team. There's a lot going on there. And I think the NFL has kind of, you know, been at the forefront of that without openly admitting it the way they've, they've done things and set up their league. And it's what makes it so popular. So I think it's, uh, I think it's great. And I think it's, it's going to change the broadcast. It's going to, um, you know, enhance things if they get down to where they're talking about. And maybe you know more than I do where they're at. But in terms of we're literally guys at the free throw line and you're able to click in and bet whether he's going to make two or one of two or or none and that kind of stuff, it's going to be wild. And uh, it's as long as it's, you know, held in, in control and the proper uh, channels and nobody's getting control of it and, and making a uh, a criminal mockery of it, then I think we're, we're in <laughs> sure. good shape. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the bracket here a little bit here. And uh, hopefully you filled one out already. Are you a bracket tinkerer or a, a one pass? Yeah, and I, I usually uh, usually do it through once and sort of, uh, you know, just kind of I remember being younger. I used to do it like crazy, put it up on cardboard before they had computer. You had to go on in the paper and print it out yourself yeah. and and, you know, and everything else. So and I would follow it along and have it now. I just kind of do it do it for fun and uh, not in a pool yet, but there's a couple that were sent out to me that I'll probably do before, 
before the uh, games get underway. If I'm allowed to wait till the play-in games, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember of the days where I would sort of draw out myself as a kid, and then uh, there would be a bracket in the center fold of Sports Illustrated because of you know publication times and whatnot. Like the first two rounds would already happen by the time that issue of Sports Illustrated yes, totally, came out. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. I'd have to like, okay, I'd pull it out and then I have to like fill in the first two rounds, like sort of copying off of my own sheet and then yeah. kind of go from there, right? And this yeah. is before the internet and, you know, having, you know, sort of a pool to, to you know, far too young to sort of know people who were running pools at the time. But yeah, um, yeah that's sort of depressing. How Well, the, how other, the other thing with that, that, that goes was... back to that time is when hockey pools where some poor soul had to, Every Tuesday, when the stats would come out, had to go through everybody's right. individually and add, add them up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I always say, sort of, the best marketing tool the NFL ever came up with was the point spread, right? Because, like, yeah. I mean, they didn't come up with it, obviously, but, like, you know, like, we all, we're all desperate to try to find, like, a way to engage viewership and, you know, get consumers and all of that sort of thing. And, like, they tripped and fell their way into it in the same way that the NCAA did with the bracket. So, yeah. Um, Fundamentally here, then, if you've had a chance to sort of peruse it, um, you know, we don't need to go game by game by any means. But do you have any, you know, let's start, let's start at the start. You know, are there any first round upsets that you like? There's certainly enough, um, you know, <laughs> there's certainly enough teams that are possible here in that 12, 13, 14, right? There's a lot of good options. Uh, anybody you like there that you're going to be cheering for, for a little upset for one well, reason I, or another? I, I always go with the, um, with the Ivy League teams. I don't know. I always get a feeling like, uh, you know, that they're, they're smart. They, they never seem to win, but they always seem to come right down to the last possession because they just, yeah, phenomenal covers, covers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me that. And uh, uh, I laughed at Colgate's in because we, uh, my buddies and I used to call them the fighting plaque, you know, the Colgate fighting plaque when you yeah. never heard of all you knew is toothpaste. So there's a 14, three uh, over Arkansas, which would be, be a long shot. If I'm looking at that one, I like a team like St. Bonaventure. That is, I mean, I just feel like the gap with the mid-majors is closing because all the, the top teams, and I've said this and I'm not the only one, you know, it's all the best players in the country that are freshmen against sure. the second best group of players in the country that are upperclassmen. And sometimes that just balances out. So I like a St. Bonaventure tournament tested team. Not that that would be an upset over LSU in the first round, but I, I like them to perhaps get through and then give Michigan a scare perhaps, you know, in that, in that second round. But mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's, I don't see anybody beating Gonzaga. And I feel like here's another one to go back to the initial days of the tournament. I was mm -hmm. from Vancouver and went to school in Calgary. So we got the Gonzaga games back then when John Stockton in the, in the wake of him playing there and they weren't very good, but I was the only one that knew how to pronounce it. Everybody on CBS was calling them Gonzaga when they made their first run. <laughs> and now yeah. they're a tournament darling, obviously in one of the mainstays. So I always have a soft spot for them. And I feel like, they're a team as good as they've been. And, and with Mark Few as the coach, like they it'd just be nice, even though it's a weird year, it feels like mm -hmm. they deserve to win one and then do it in the sense of running the table, going undefeated Absolutely. would be unbelievable. So, so take the, to me, the West is pretty automatic that they're going to be there. I think Illinois is the other number one seed. And I don't think, uh, you know, it's automatic with Baylor or Michigan by any means. Okay. So if not Baylor or Michigan, then who do we, you know, who's that quote unquote dark horse then to make the final four for you out of those two regions? I've got Villanova. Uh, again, oh. the tournament tested coach. I don't, you know, I don't know how good they are again. Haven't, haven't watched as much as I normally would, but I just feel like they're, sure. you know, just, just always around it. And uh, for some reason, Alabama is uh, mm -hmm. 
is my call well, elsewhere. And that's, Al- you know, again, without, without, uh, again, kids, as David Letterman said, no wagering, even though this is the show that, that does that. Don't take my advice. <laughs> yeah. Only wagering is really yeah. our, sort of yeah, our, exactly. uh, our, 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 our uh, theme here. Uh, listen, Al, you don't have to tell us about Alabama. We have been on Alabama since August of Good. last year. That is sort of one of our pet teams along with Illinois. We're two yeah. teams that we had circled. Um, with those two teams, you know, and you follow college basketball for a really long time. You know, I always find that, you know, you get, there's a couple of teams and then, you know, two guys go to the NBA and then you get a, you know, really good recruiting class coming in on the back end. And, you know, maybe those guys who went to the NBA, they're not even top 10 picks, but they just left because, you know, they knew they were going to be a first round pick. And you just go, man, if those two had just stayed for one more year, like that team would be really awesome, right? Like that happens yeah. all the time in college basketball. Totally. But whether it was sort of COVID related or not, Illinois and Alabama have those guys that stayed one more year and mm-hmm. made that announcement back in August because obviously the draft got changed around and that kind of thing. And so those two teams are the product of having, you know, the sort of like talent that they didn't think they were going to be able to keep from one year to the next. And now we're seeing it. We're seeing like, oh yeah, Alabama and Illinois, not necessarily, you know, annual powerhouses here, but this is what can happen when guys decide instead of opting to be the 25th pick overall in the draft. So Mm -hmm. if we're going to thank COVID for something, I guess it's improving those teams a little bit so that maybe this isn't just an absolute truck job by Gonzaga from start to finish here. As for Mm -hmm. Villanova, listen, you know, Jay Wright, you know, it's actually a really good you know, sort of point to bring up because I think a lot of people are down right now on Villanova because they lost their point guard towards the end of the season. And they played like two games, right, without yeah. him, which is kind of like a really impossible task to just lose your leader, lose your point guard, and then just kind of like hope things keep going smoothly. And yeah. they didn't have time to sort of, you know, take a break, right? And so they've had seven games since last Villanova played and a coach like Jay Wright is going to have a plan. And I heard him talk uh, on an interview, um, you know, around selection Sunday. And he said, you know, when, when Colin Gillespie goes down, we stop having, you know, we start to have to worry about ourselves, right? We didn't have to worry about ourselves because, you know, we're a veteran program, veteran team. We only have to worry about who we're playing. So you could spend all your time worrying about that, but now we have to worry about ourselves. And when you only have a game or two in between, you know, you're, you're ignoring the opponent. Well, now yeah. they've got seven days off and they can kind of figure out who's going to play, how it's going to work. And now they have a chance to sort of game plan for a team in Winthrop. That's a dangerous, you know, sort of small school type of team. Um, and, and then, you know, subsequently, I think probably Purdue, which is a winnable game there as well. So, yeah. Um, down on Villanova just because of two games and as you know you know two games does not make a season and and these aren't just robots or video game type situations where like oh their rating went down because you know Gillespie's out yeah well no they're allowed to sort of come back from that a little bit and I think you'll see that from Villanova there but that's uh that's an interesting uh so out here um oh champion you're obviously you know you're you're putting Gonzaga into the into the championship yes. square there in the middle, I assume, yeah. right? Yeah, Gonzaga um, yeah. over Illinois. I think the two they're the two best teams in the year. And I, I should say, when you talk about whether I'm a tinker with my bracket, the one year I right. did when you talk about upheaval before the tournament, '89, yeah. I had Michigan. They were a three seed. I had them winning it, and then they fired uh, Frieder the night before. Yeah, 
and gave it to yeah. Steve Fisher. And so I, I erased it, took them out and they end up running the table and winning it. So it, it doesn't matter yeah. so much how you're playing going in. It's, as you say, with that extra preparation, the good coaches know what matters at this time of year. So that's kind of why it's Absolutely. funny that we used to lean on seniors. Now we lean on coaches in our choices for, the bracket oh, anyway there you go <laughs> absolutely well and this is a, ni- a nice little sort of parallel too because of course you know you're heading to the raptors college you know chris boucher the year oregon went to the final four i should say in 2017 yep. right he got hurt right before the tournament started and so yes. everybody jumped ship on oregon that year and yep. Altman, a really good coach they find their way into the final four. And if Boucher had been on the team, maybe they end up winning the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, but that's a really good parallel there. Yeah. Get you out of here on this. Um, you know, here it's not just about picks and all of that kind of stuff. And like, you know, gambling, gambling, gambling. A lot of it's the social element of betting and contests and that sort of thing. And I think we've covered that to a good, you know, uh, nth degree here a little bit. Um, you know, but you're working a lot this time of year. Is there anything you do socially for the tournament as a tradition? Like, you know, you, you mentioned meeting buddies down in Arizona. That was probably less about the tournament, more just sort of, you know, yeah. incredibly hot in Arizona and you can't go play golf, you know, without almost dying. Um, is there <laughs> anything you do? Like, you know, I used to call in sick, you know, work, school, whenever, like on that first Thursday. Uh, is there anything you do? And will you be able to do that this year? Thursday was uh, the first Thursday was long sort of tradition of a party. A couple guys at work would have a big bash. It got bigger and bigger. And it was like, I remember them saying, just bring a bunch of $5 bills because they put bets up on the board. Okay. Someone wants so-and-so at two to one who wants it. And you write your name up there. It was kind of fun. Um, and that was literally one of those all day, you know, noon, especially out West back in the day with nine in the morning right. that it was on. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but I know the last, four years before last year I ended up having uh, a scheduled game on the Thursday night because I remember David Amber and I was one of the hockey host people yep. down the stage might not know he's same thing the first as soon as the schedule would come out for the NHL the NBA we'd both look at the at the first Thursday of the tournament to see whether we're available <laughs> it's nice to have the Friday off too after a day like that but otherwise yeah I've been to Vegas a couple times during the tournament which is really fun because if you're a yep. casual the better you can just pop in there and just have get some parlays and that kind of stuff but normally i'm big events i've always been one to want to watch either alone or with someone who's really into it i don't like the social aspect of of the distraction of uh unless it's a big group that's really fully got it going on that they want to i just enjoy it so much especially the chaos of those first days you miss you pay you could be talking to someone for 30 seconds and you miss an update where they show a buzzer beater or something so i just enjoy you know, that and send Sunday at the Masters are the two that I like to be left alone, basically. Yeah, and, and at least with the tournament, you can sort of take those first four and kind of sign different sort of vibes yeah. if you want to, right? Like They're all similar, Thursday, sure. Yeah, I'm a big Thursday. Yeah. Nobody come near me, like, be alone, just sort of enjoy it all. Night, my, you know, bike comes in from out of town. We go down to real sports and have a full like table set up there. Yeah. And that's a pretty good because everybody's pretty engaged. And we, we, we came a long way a couple of years ago and I hope this doesn't offend, but um, <laughs> in years ago, the Raptors broadcast took over the main television at 7 PM on that Friday. Drinks yeah. at that point through seven hours of watching basketball at real sports. <laughs> and I'm just booing, right? I'm like, get them off. 
the stream because you know it's my this is march madness there's 82 raptors games like get yeah, you know get, get sure. off the screen I don't, I don't think it was a sportsnet broadcast i'm positive it was a tsn broadcast it's, tsn's um, had it for a while now and the score before that so it's been i think we've been about 10 or 12 years since we had it yeah no i meant the raptors game then. oh the so raptors got you, you oh, they put it on it, it, guys see what you're saying yeah and, and <laughs> yeah so i think yeah, i wasn't attacking best, you the best night, the first day is is amazing because it's overwhelming. But my favorite two nights are the Thursday, Friday of the Sweet 16, where oh, you yeah. get you're down to the you've got a couple of upstarts, you know, teams that still Cinderella, the slipper still fits. But you've got you're down. You've gotten rid of a lot of the riffraff and those those mm-hmm. teams. And, you know, that they can taste that they're two wins away from, you know, from their dream again to the final four. I just find those those two days are fantastic. Yeah, and they're on Saturday and Sunday this time. Yeah, around, they, they the shifted in the schedule. And I, I don't know what the uh, – I think it's just everything shifted probably because it's in a bubble, but I, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Yep. The, the traditional feel of that of that is gone, but we'll see how it works out. Yeah, I mean, listen, if that's the thing we have to complain about with this tournament, yes, there you go. we're going to be yeah. – Treat, man. Uh, you can follow Brad at SN Brad Bay, and, of course, see him on Sportsnet's Raptors coverage, what, every second game, basically? Uh, yeah, season? we just split them, split them with TSN. So we'll have a lot during the tournament, as a matter of fact, because they have the tournament. Sure. So we'll have six of the next seven starting Friday. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Appreciate your time, man. This is a real treat. Thanks very much. You got it. Take care. Appreciate it. Quick break to tell you about some big news for the podcast. Coolbet.com is the presenting sponsor for the Windows March Madness coverage. What does that mean for you? Free money. If you're looking to try single game sports betting for the first time, or you're looking to add to your sportsbook repertoire, Coolbet.com is offering to double your deposit up to $200. There's a link in the description of this podcast, or you can find it on my Twitter feed at MRussAuthentic. Otherwise, simply go to Coolbet.com, create your account and enter the promo code window to double your deposit now back to the betting next up it wouldn't be a tuesday without our boy ted he's got his bracket ready ted ballantyne how are you my friend hey listen after putting together a bracket in a record four minutes in preparation for this conversation i am doing great Oh, come on now. First and foremost, you may have written down the bracket in four there minutes. Is, but you've I, been preparing for this for four weeks, man. We've been doing this for four I, uh, Yeah, and I've been soaking in since these tournaments finished on the weekend. I've had a little bit of disappointment with the way the bracket all came together. So we'll get into that when we discuss where I have my, my, my possible hits and misses here. But no, yeah, I, I put a, a little more than four minutes of thought into it for sure. And I'm glad you brought up the conference tournaments because I was probably going to forget mentioning this. Um, Georgia Tech, did you end up betting Georgia Tech at 10 to 1? You guessed that I would be last week, so I was hoping that you might have actually done that. Did you? I did. And you know what? Even if they didn't, like it was a team, because, you know, uh, uh, me as the casual better, um, you know, I end up up falling in love with some of these teams a little tiny bit, and Georgia Georgia Tech easily team to fall in love with glad i was paying attention to everything they were doing and yes it paid off in the end but even if it didn't we built a loving lasting friendship (laughs) right and jose alvarado the point guard of the matt russell all-stars from a couple of weeks ago if you'll recall uh that so that's good news Uh, i'm glad you took advantage of that um 
I, I haven't mentioned this, but hilarious that, and you're a, you know, level-headed individual, right? Like, you understand the sheer luck of just skipping the semifinals for Georgia Tech. And you see these people on Twitter, like, celebrating the Georgia Tech future, which we talked about being a really, really popular future. And that's sort of what took me off of it, because it's like, it can't be that easy. Well, when one team test positive for COVID-19 and they're out of the tournament and Georgia Tech gets to play Miami in the quarterfinals and then no one in the semifinals like that's a pretty nice little route to the finals so pretty hilarious that people get excited have you been able to see that one as you picked your route which is honest to goodness this is like now I know they have the standby teams which is also just a delightful prospect for what's going to be happening over the next week the thought of teams either walking through or playing a standby team like that unknown and especially like imagine we're sitting there and we get a tweet an hour and a half before game time that like things have switched and now all of a sudden louisville's in here instead of a winthrop oh god it's like it's like i feel bad for the winthrop kids in this hypothetical situation but that is going to be a delight well i mean forget about winthrop right like what if it's gonzaga what if it's baylor and louisville is now a one seed Right. Like, oh, dear Lord. Right. Like that's (laughs) going to be a horror show. So we're keeping our fingers crossed. That's why it's Tuesdays with Ted. Right. So we can get under the deadline here for teams having to pull out. There's a little concern, you know, concern about Virginia uh, potentially not being uh, not being able to get get their stuff together in time for the games on Saturday. So uh, first off, I mean, listen, we've been doing the four weeks of preparation here Uh, on a scale of one to 10. How fired up are you for the tournament's return in general? Oh, I am a smoking hot, sizzling, solid 7.8. Okay. Okay. I didn't know we we were going to do decimal stuff, but I like it. I'll make a note. Um, uh, So before we get in here, um, do you have any specific memories for the tournament from maybe a bracket contest or a betting standpoint. Listen, when you ask people, you know, what their favorite memories are for the tournament, you know, you're going to get a lot of the same things, the same stuff that like, oh, the Leitner shot drew or, you know, and so on and so on. Right. But like those didn't necessarily cover the spread. Those didn't necessarily win anybody a bracket pool or have some sort of an upset or something, you know, along those lines. Those are the things that we just see every year. Right. And it gets sort of repumped into our memories. So what do you have for us when it comes to that type of memory? Um, I have, no, I'm not going to go back too far. I'm going to go back to 2018, but this was the wonderful trifecta of a bracket busting survivor death wage loss. And that was going into the tournament, me and all the part-time NCAA basketball followers get all excited about this DeAndre Ayton, this, you know, this 45 year old man masquerading as an 18 year old, this athletic freak. With uh, with Arizona and Arizona, who we all know we shouldn't trust ever right. under any circumstances, but we go into the first round. We got them in the survivor pool. We're probably betting the spread. I don't remember that for sure. And I definitely have them going deep into at least the elite eight, maybe even the final four. And they're taking on goddamn Buffalo. And this Buffalo, bu- I don't even know the name, the Buffalo Buffaloes, the Buffalo Buffalo, whoever they are, <laughs> right. they go into this. And where we live, we live close to Buffalo, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's not like there's a grown swell of support for Buffalo. Anyway, and this Buffalo team does have a tiny little buzz around it. Like, it's not some absolute no-name team. And this matchup was a 13 and a 4, so it wasn't like a 116 or anything, obviously. Um, 
you know, I remember this first half happens and Buffalo's winning by just a little bit at halftime and everyone's texting, everyone's texting. And it's like, oh my God, like it's that Buffalo's winning by a little, but let's be honest right now, Buffalo really outplayed Arizona in the first half. Second half can't get worse. Can it? It can't get worse. And oh my God, it got worse. Buffalo just it wasn't even one of those games where I'm hanging on at the end right. it's just I'm all, somehow myself humiliated with five minutes to go in this game and as Buffalo just drained every single shot that comes comes away and they smoke Arizona Sean Miller a loser <laughs> and more go home losers because of those losers and yes Arizona you know I mean they make their occasional run to the regional final obviously back in the Lute Olsen days was a lot more successful but just a team that one not a pe- not a ton of people watch during the regular season because of being out west but also a team that people think is really cool and it kind of doesn't matter who's on the team and so when DeAndre Ayton's involved you know obviously they were red hot right and we use that the block is too hot theory when it comes to these brackets and it's just Tuesday right now but you can already start to form an opinion about just these teams that things are getting a little hot on the block right like it's too many three seed or four seed getting picked to go to the final four and it's just like they you know right now Michigan it's like nobody believes Michigan can possibly make the final four and it's like which team is going to be the block is too hot team is it going to be Florida State is it going to be Texas like we still don't no, but Arizona every year is a block is too hot type of a team. They're a little lower speed, but I like to think that right now the Georgetown Hoyas, they're sizzling on that hot block right now. Absolutely, right? And maybe not a team that you're going to put in the final four, but certainly a first round block is too hot type of thing. So speaking of the first round, let's get right into it here. So we don't need to go game by game necessarily, unless there's a game that you are particularly interested in, or maybe you have a bet uh, against the spread, or you think one, you know, this team's going to blow out this team and it's worth a bet. Um, but, you know, otherwise, if you just want to keep it to what are your upsets in the first round? There's plenty of choices in the 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 if you're a crazy person, 16 sure. if you're uh, just completely insane. Um, but what do you got? Okay, well, I'm going to start down one of my interesting regions, <laughs> one of my interesting regions, the Midwest. And quite frankly, I'm going to start by expressing my disappointment about the selection in the way the brackets all shaped up because um, you have a you have a block is hot team in Oklahoma State and you have a, the world should fall in love with them with the Georgia Tech that we just talked about and that guard Alvarado who's on the Matt Russell All-Stars who really is just everything that's wonderful about college basketball and if you ever want to draw a distinct line in the sand about what's different between college and pro basketball it's that kid because he's not in the pros and he is occasionally and rarely spotted in college and he is so much fun so you have this team with this lovable kid uh, and he's got to go up against a hundred year old nun that is so unfortunate i hate that i do have georgia tech beating oil chicago um Although, unfortunately, I think that one's a little more of a coin flip than I'd rather. I think Loyola, I thought they'd be a little better than an eight seed. Sure. So that's where this prop kind of screws me a touch. And then I'm going to go down to that Oklahoma State team where everyone, much like that, exactly, it's a 4-13, just like that Arizona matchup I was just talking about. Everyone's going to tune in to watch Kate Cunningham, as they should. But that's a young team that does really well when they start going fast. And this Liberty piece of shit team is just going to be full of 24-year-olds who slow it down and play really smart, and it could be Oklahoma State's 
only game of the tournament. Cade Cunningham is probably not going to come out of this particular matchup looking great, even if they squeeze by. And I, unfortunately, am saying goodbye to Oklahoma State in the first round against this piece of shit Liberty team. Wow, how dare you? It is funny, though. Like, the block can... It's almost like the block cannot be too hot for any of these teams because they're all block is too hot potential if they were in a bunch of other regions right like if Loyola Chicago was over in the west right like you'd be like yeah okay like that's a team that could be dangerous same thing with Georgia Tech or if they were seated appropriately because Georgia Tech not seated appropriately Loyola Chicago not seated appropriately Oklahoma State not seated appropriately you could even make the case Liberty's probably not you know seated appropriately and that's just the top half of that bracket so uh, a general how dare you against our Oklahoma State Cowboys. But you know what? I can't disagree with any of that. That's all legitimate points. Um, so, you know, I, I get it. Do you have anything spicy in the bottom of that Midwest region or should we move on to the next? Yeah, one? you know what? You know what? If it's just if you if you switch the uniform to something else, I'd probably have them losing to San Diego State off the top because why not? But I just feel Syracuse is going to be this team that squeaks through around or two. Uh, I right now have them go into the Sweet 16 where they're going to lose to Houston, which I think is a team that a lot of people aren't going to pick just because they're not overly familiar with For them. Sure. But yeah, I got Syracuse getting through a couple rounds and getting through West Virginia. And West Virginia, you were right. This is, uh, I remember the announcer saying it, this this isn't your grandpa's West Virginia. And I'm like, no, it is not. These guys are not horrible to watch. <laughs> but I do have Syracuse just wily and irritating with some young Bayheim out there jacking up threes. I got them going over to the Sweet 16. Yeah, if there was a prop where it was like, you can bet Syracuse to win zero games or two games, but never one game, <laughs> like I would absolutely bet sort of that. That's my exact offer. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, that should be like even money, right? Like that should be a reasonable, you should be able to get a decent return on that type of a bet because yeah, that's Syracuse, right? They either like, you know, blow it out in the first game, get absolutely smoked, or they run right through that first weekend. And then we gather and we have to, you know, listen to Syracuse talk for uh, an entire week until next week. Um, all right, let's move it up to the south then. I'll, I'll guide you around the bracket here. Uh, let's go up to the okay, south. Okay, yeah, as you can tell, I'm going to start bouncing. Um, do you have any, anything spicy in the south from a first round standpoint? Um, well, I can tell you in the second round, I have a 12th seeded Winthrop against a 13th seeded North Texas, which means I have Villanova who are on the coldest of blocks mm. right now going home. I have Purdue going home to North Texas just because, you know, this isn't great analysis or predicting, but one of these rinky dink 13 seeds, uh, has got to get through. And I just think Purdue, and I just think their whole Conference is a little overrated, um, which is a terrible way to go into these things because I think the Big Ten teams have all, you know, played pretty well in this tournament, recently at least. But yeah, I got North Texas over Purdue, and then we go down to the bottom, and hey, Virginia Tech did not impress me at all in the ACC tournament, but I know there's something decent in there, and I have got them getting past Florida and Ohio oh, State. okay. I like that. I do like that. That one's creeping up on me in a big way. Uh, anytime you can suspend a guy who got busted for DUI and possession uh, of a firearm, and you can only suspend him for four games before he comes back, that's a team I want to get behind, right? Like, that's a team that's yeah. ready to throw caution to the wind. So, Virginia Tech getting a little far. Uh, I like that. This is what we need to learn about 
right? The, the lengths that these teams go to as for, from a betting perspective only, let's throw the moral stuff aside and also realize that I'm mostly joking. But besides the absolutely horrible stories of police cover-ups and stuff like that, we need to know ahead of time, you know, how lenient is this team going to be with really awful behavior? Because you know what? That might be a team I want to bet on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and my theory at this point with Oklahoma State, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, right? With the NCAA, you know, delaying the appeal so that they could, you know, Oklahoma State could play. I feel like they were underseeded from a, you know, three down to a four as that was their penalty, right? Like it's, yes, you're going to be allowed to play in the tournament here, but we're also going to knock you down into that four or five game. There's nothing you can do that's going to get you a top three seed. So um, whether it's the NCAA sort of, you know, throwing its own brand of justice out there or, or whether it's Virginia Tech looking the other way on a DUI and a gun possession charge, um, college basketball at its absolute finest. Um, let's, go, uh, let's go to the West. Um, I imagine you don't have Gonzaga losing for quite a little bit, unless you do, in which case that's headline news. No, um, I feel so terrible about having Gonzaga not losing. Um, yeah, and the West is my, my, you know, this is, this is the region where Tony Kornheiser would be uh, accusing me of being too chalky as I was one of the 8,000 people on his show telling the brackets. Um, no, I don't really have anything spectacular. The one thing, the one upset that I'm leaning towards, I'm sure like everyone else on the planet, is the either Wichita or Drake getting past USC. Um, and honestly, I might, I might flip back and forth between that a lot before we get to, um, before we get to Thursday. Okay. Uh, and Wichita State Shockers are that's a reputation pick as much as anything, really. Yeah. And pretty much everything else, I got Missouri getting past Oklahoma. Um, in the matchup, I don't want to have any part of from a, like a regular gambling perspective, right. to be honest with you. And besides Oregon making it to the um, uh, elite eight of the entire tournament, where I have them getting bounced by Gonzags. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this one is pretty boring, wow. but you did mention a couple things that can change with this, that Wichita Drake game is going to change a lot of people's brackets. However, it comes out at the last minute and also uh, whether or not Virginia has a team come <laughs> right. the weekend is going to change what people. Yeah. Do. A couple of different moving or potentially. And isn't it funny, right? Like a lot of times we just brush off these play in games because, you know, we have all week to sit at and, you know, stare at these brackets and, you just kind of go like, okay, whoever wins the playoff playing game is going to lose to USC, or you know, when we get to the East here, uh, is going to lose to BYU. Except for you know, I don't know that a ton of people know that much about USC, and like you said, there's a reputation element with Wichita. Uh, Drake getting one of their key players back probably for this Thursday is going to be a big deal because that skews a lot of the numbers and a lot of you know, sort of the ratings and all of that kind of thing. They become an incredibly better team with Hemphill back in the lineup for them, and then. Michigan State and UCLA, right? Like those two teams are going to get a lot of credit and are going to get a lot of regard against BYU. And so, you know, I don't know, you know, you always sort of say this is the first time in a long time, but okay, this is the first time in a long time I can remember caring as much as I about who actually wins these play-in games before sort of locking up the bracket in a meaningful way. But speaking of that East, let's uh, let's head on down to that. And don't sell yourself short, by the way. Oregon as a seven seed making the regional final. I mean, kudos to you for that one, because, I mean, maybe you've been listening to the pod. Maybe you've been listening to me talk about Oregon. Uh, certainly a play that I like a ton there. But let's move on to the East. Uh, anything you got here of note? Can we just talk about if you told the players and the staff of BYU before the season, you're going to make the tournament. 
and you're going to get to play a play-in team, they would probably take that in a second. And then when they get to see the two teams matching up to play them, they've got to be like, oh, come on. Right. Yeah, like a six. Guess come what? Come on. Six seed, you're going to get whoever's in the play-in game. They're from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. So, like, immediately you're thinking to yourself, you know, like, oh, okay, like Indiana or Oregon State. That's right. It's like, oh, no, it's, no. That's right. We no, got like, Michigan yeah. State and it's UCLA. What's that now? <laughs> Oh, and I mean, kudos to BYU, by the way, right? Like, while teams are getting, you know, um, busted here with, you know, COVID issues and, and potentially having to miss the tournament, uh, BYU, for the millionth consecutive year, um, avoids coffee and is able to be in the tournament. Like, that's impressive in and of itself. That's right. And you know what? I actually have BYU beating both Michigan State and UCLA. No, that's a bit of a bracket play just because I know, you know, Almost everyone sure. in the world is going to take a Michigan State or a UCLA in that spot to beat, um, you know, the most boring university, uh, like, available in the whole field of 200, 300, however many teams. But, you know what, Michigan State and UCLA, they both, both of these teams had an opportunity to steal my heart. It was there for them. You make a little run in the tournament. We're all willing and trying to get behind you guys as much as we can. And... Um, they they both didn't quite step up and do it. I know Michigan State's beat some good big teams. BYU not that. So I don't think I don't think they win that game. UCLA, honest to goodness, these these ten o'clock tournament starts. I haven't watched enough of them to know. I just know that they are a perennial disappointment, and I don't think they're nearly as good as whatever their uneducated reputation. Yeah, and plus you get to cheer against Mick Cronin, which is always sort of a fun thing as he's sort of storming up and down the side, <laughs> which is uh, a, real, a, a real treat. Uh, all right, um, you know, put up or shut up time. I, I'm, I'm oh, still not done. My East, my East is not done. I still got a couple things for you. Okay, I know the Georgetown block is exceptionally hot, but I just think usually the Pac-12 block is colder. So Georgetown, I do have getting past Colorado um, it's very coin flippy. I just, I know it goes against what I was saying about Arizona in my disappointment from 2018, but that's the cool factor thing about Arizona. They somehow in people's minds get excluded from the shittiness that is the PAC 12. So Colorado not getting excluded from that Georgetown getting mm-hmm. past them. And no team and cooler though, by the about- way, than Georgetown, right? Like if people can get behind Georgetown, if you give them any reason to get behind Georgetown, they will. They're in the all time, like cool uh- team branding standpoint. Yeah, and Patrick Ewing somehow has made himself a sympathetic character going into this. Yeah, no, they're 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 doing everything right going into it. And here, my most irrational upset and my biggest upset in the first round of the tournament. Um, I believe that if anyone has formulated a game go. plan to beat yep. Alabama, <laughs> it was Rick Patino in the mid '90s with Kentucky. All right, he knows that program, baby. Now these time these days they may jack up a few more threes than they used to, but. I have got Iona over. Listen, Iona is going to need Ron Mercer and Tony Delk and Jamal McClure. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> as is, right? I'm not even talking about like late 90s versions of those guys. Like those guys are going to have to come back and literally get some run here for Iona for them to have a hope in hell uh, of beating Alabama. But listen, man, you know, uh, that's what you're here for. You're here for the spicy. Uh, you know what you were talking about alabama last week and this is the thing and i was trying to pay attention to it now they got through their tournament um and they shot it all quite well but there was that first half against tennessee now kudos to tennessee they were playing fantastic defense and you got to think to yourself can this can they keep this up for 40 minutes no but that first half 
Alabama couldn't, they, they could barely hit the rim in the first half. And of course, like it all came around, but that was that they had, I would say 15 awful minutes in that game. And if that 15 minutes turns into 25 minutes, then you're on to an upset. But again, I think that could be as much Tennessee's defense as it was Alabama shooting poorly and they just couldn't keep it up. But I am subscribing to the Matt Russell theory that this team is going to shoot themselves out of the tournament. Okay. I mean, listen, I thought it was going to be this past weekend, and I hope it isn't uh, this coming weekend. Um, So that means, you know, Alabama's out for you. Uh, You alluded to a Gonzaga-Oregon regional final. Um, I don't know that you really sort of led us to believe anything on the right side of the bracket. Give us your final four. Who is it for uh, Teddy Boy? Listen. My final four, how about this for not exciting, but I'm going to have the Zags over Florida State, and I'm going to have Illinois over Baylor. That's not bad. I mean, Florida State's pretty spicy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the other three number ones, um, not not exactly uh, uh, titillating, if you will. Well, it's just I just think – like it's it's a block is cold situation a little bit even though I don't this is what I don't even know is the block cold or is the block hot I'm not sure I just think Michigan right now is susceptible it's just I I personally see them compared to the other number ones um you know Baylor starting to flutter a little tiny bit although hey listen as I spiral in my thoughts block is hot Illinois is on a hot block right now too because I like I I thought that was going to be a two seed. Of course, they justifiably and deservedly have their one seed. Yeah, but they are, they're on kind of the skyrocket ship to their well, one seed and that's, right Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Like a, just a giant dousing of the block considering, yeah, every, like, you know, you know me, I'm deep into the Illinois scene and I'm absolutely terrified of the second round matchup. I'm terrified of their potential third round. And even Houston sitting there lingering as the team that is, you know, makes the final four. And everybody goes, did you have them? Nope. Did you have them? Nope. Did you have them? What seed were they? A two seed. Why didn't anybody have them? Right? Like, that's that's got that written all over it. But, of course, they might get blitzed by Syracuse uh, in one of the more frustrating – or, listen, every frustra- every year that Syracuse goes on a run is incredibly uh, frustrating. So, uh, taking the temperature of blocks with Tuesdays with Ted on, guess what, a Tuesday. Thanks, pal. My pleasure. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Thank you very much, Laszlo. Let's finish up with a let's do that hockey. And, you know, you can't do it any better than we did it yesterday, right? We start off with talking about how Nashville had value on the money line, given the exorbitant price that we were asked to pay for Tampa Bay. They go and they win the game easily. Uh, against Tampa Bay helped that Curtis McElhaney was in net obviously a ton more value when he's in net versus when Vasilevsky plays we get home with you know explained Montreal why they were a favorite against the Jets now let's be honest they haven't had a great season against the Jets they haven't really had a great season at all but that was the explanation that we gave yesterday for why they were favored they come through and they win and then Calgary uh, not the defensive sort of shutdown game necessarily, though, you know, scoreless through the first period. They end up getting the edge over Edmonton. So we sweep the board 3-0 there. Ottawa, just as I was about to sort of send out the alarm for a live bet on Ottawa, they give up two goals to the Canucks in the first period. Battle all the way back to force overtime. So if you live bet them, you could got plus one and a half goals and you could get them at plus 160. You are home free there as well. Uh, and then, you know, we talked about Chicago. Looked, felt like there was value on Chicago just from 
you know, like, okay, they're plus 150, 155 against Florida. Certainly a close game, but Florida ends up winning. So nice that we avoided a loss when it came to that one. Uh, Light night in the NHL tonight. Just a couple of games, but I think I'm making plays in both. You've got Tampa Bay, uh, you know, going up against Dallas here. Second night in a row for Tampa Bay. We've talked, you know, every time that the situation has existed where you have a team that didn't play last night versus a team that did and that has gone increasingly poorly for those teams that are in that tough scheduling spot in this case dallas plus 135 i'll take a shot with that i'm also going to take a shot with the detroit red wings plus 200 you know two underdogs for the night in just the two games that are available for the central division and the north division which is dark tonight they'll be back later on in the week uh finally last thing a little bit of housekeeping here talked about it yesterday the opportunity to join the podcast this week and give your bracket and your sort of reasoning behind the bracket if you wanted to so i'm going to draw of the people who sort of volunteered to do that i'm going to draw names um sort of out of this hat here and you know drum roll please uh the winner is oh matt craig Matt Craig is uh, going to be on the show, hopefully, assuming he listens to this. I'll reach out to you and let you know that you're in. Uh, I think we talked about a time if he was, because uh, I did chat with him uh, briefly earlier on this week. I did think we had a time, so that's good. Uh, hopefully that works out for him. So Matt Craig, uh, listener, will be joining the show later on in the week, hopefully, assuming he's available. So that's very cool. Uh, reminder about the CoolBet.com promotion. Uh, head over to CoolBet.com, deposit, you, you know, make your first deposit, sign up, obviously, uh, and then put in the... Uh, in the window window in the deposit bonus section just type in window and uh that of course gets sort of redirected back here and so we know that it was a window listener supporting the show which is frankly all i've really ever asked of you people and so uh they'll double your money up to 200 bucks so put in 200 get you know you'll have 400 to play with nice for march madness put in 10 bucks you'll get 10 back throw a 20 dollar bet on and see what happens um, so just a reminder to do that. No deadline for that, by the way. You can do that whenever you want. But listen, it's March Madness. Let's get some bets going out here for the tournament. Thanks to our main guest today, Brad Fay. Thanks to Ted for joining us per usual. Subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Follow along at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.